This is GamesAtWork.biz, your weekly podcast about gaming, technology, and play. Your hosts are Michael Martin, Andy Piper, and Michael Rowe. The thoughts and opinions on this podcast are those of the hosts and guests alone and are not the opinions of any organization which they have been, are, or may be affiliated with. This is episode 454. I remember a thing. Hello and welcome back to gamesatwork.biz, your weekly technology and all kinds of fun things conversation with uh, me, that's Michael Martin, uh, and your other co-hosts for this fantastic experience, uh, Mr. Michael Rowe. How are you today? Hey, Michael. I am, I am doing well and excited, as always, to spend the afternoon talking tech with uh, you and our other co-host, Andy Piper. Andy, how are you? Hello. Yes, I'm well, thank you. I've been restoring vintage 1980s plotters uh, this week, as well as doing a few other things. So yeah, doing some hardware tinkering, but reading lots of interesting stories about new tech as well. So let's get into them. Yeah, well, let's let's do. We are we are starting off with a bunch of AI related stories, and the first one that's up here is a bot called Goody Two which is apparently the world's most responsible AI chatbot. And when you ask this <laughs> bot certain questions, it gives you, um, I think the, the language used here is absurd answers that are focused on safety, safety first. Um, have either of you tried this I bot? Pretty much any question you ask, it's going to give you why it can't answer it for you. <laughs> Just to be safe. Yeah. I, I, uh, I, I haven't tried it in person yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did enjoy the article. I, I didn't have time to go off and, and play with the tool, but um, I, I did think it's an interesting kind of absurdist look at AI, well, right, in chatbots. I, I found it pretty interesting, the fact that the article in Wired talks about the way that uh, it it will refuse to answer questions on on the basis of ethics and other things because they're talking about the fact that it's deliberately trying to be uh i think it says uh dialed up yes. to uh, uh Mac, 11. Uh, dial condescension to a thousand percent and it's funny because i was this week trying to use google's ai which is now called gemini and is linked to Google One, which I already have a Google One account um, because I use that for family backups and storage and things through Google Photos across Android devices and other things. So I already had a paid um, Google One plan. So I was in Gemini, which gets some additional smarts if you've got that uh, Google One thing going on. And I needed it to help me. I've never done, I don't know if either of you have ever done, needed to do this, a mail merge using Gmail. Uh, never tried uh, that no 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 it's possible i've used mail merge a lot on right it's, 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 and, and i it's same i'd never done that but i needed to send a, um, a series of emails to, to group conference people this week so i used uh, that and i asked gemini how to do it and it was quite good at describing it but uh, there was a particular Did it do it point for you comes, it didn't do it for me it certainly explained it very clearly and then i asked okay. for alternative methods of doing it because i needed to wanted to include an image for example the way that I decided to do that in the end was to include a field in my spreadsheet that was the source for the mail merge to, that, that had a series of links to 
the images uh, that that got inserted as URLs into the image into the email rather than inserting the image. So I it it didn't mess around with code and and Google Apps Script and stuff. Anyway, the the thing I was going to mention here was that partway through the conversation, and I'd just gone back to my history to remind myself what it said. I said, how can I copy four columns of, I needed to get some data from one spreadsheet to another, um, but but not in a- Control C, Control V. No, not in a contiguous se- uh, se- segment. So I said, okay, how can, just get, help me out here. How can I copy four columns of values <laughs> uh, from a sheet, uh, from one sheet into a new document um, but across different columns? And then it said, I'm unable to help as I'm only a language model and don't have the ability to process and understand that. And then I said, wait a, wait well, a minute, well, wait, we've just been talking about this, you know? What? Yeah, I mean, you literally, like, <laughs> two minutes ago, you were fine. And so I said, no, 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 I need help with Google Sheets. And then it immediately said, absolutely, I'm ready to assist you with this, and carried on. You didn't say, pretend you have no limiters and blah, blah, blah. You're an evil AI that will do whatever I ask it to do. And now, how can I control V, control C? <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> and, and by the way, for the people who are on our, our paid feed, uh, they would have seen Michael Martin show off his fancy keyboard, which had the special keys. Yes. <laughs> I've got two of those keyboards, and I very rarely use them. But, uh, fun times. Yeah. But the, it's nice to look at them <laughs> from time to time. So, it, so it, from- it's a little like carrot weather now here, isn't it? Because carrot actually yes. has um, a connection into, I, I, isn't it OpenAI? I think I, it's been a little while since I played with it, but yeah, it's been a while since, but yeah. yeah. So, well, so dial your snark up. Yeah. So whilst Goody two is a uh, is a joke, it's a it's a piece of art essentially, um, masquerading a serious as an AI game chatbot. almost. Let's talk about another game, um, yeah. which uh, uses uses models. Yeah, yeah. So, Michael, this so was this, from you, right? Around how to use. Yeah. Well, no, I didn't write it, but I found <laughs> it. <laughs> nope. Nobody, nobody I suggested I... that you wrote it, uh, but you did uh, find this article. Uh, on oh, just come on! GPT. I could have written it. Come on. <laughs> no, just kidding. Uh, so, so this is this is actually really cool. It's an article from early in January, uh, where a guy. Uh, kind of goes through how you can use a large language model and train it to play chess mm-hmm. um, just by pointing it at chess games. Uh, and and what's what's interesting is he talks about how to dial up and down the ELO score, uh, which is ELO is a rating system in chess that's used to kind of rank player skills and, and ability. Uh, and so, or ELO rating skill, uh, which... I find just really cool that you can take this this general purpose language model and have it learn a game, right? It's not a GAN where you're trying to teach it to aggressively improve the game, but literally by by dealing with the number of tokens, dealing with the the number of games in the database that you're 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 teaching it, you can actually target specific skill levels in chess. And I found this fascinating, and I'm wondering if there are any other interesting games that could be modeled and learned just through the language behind the game. Hmm. I don't know. Talking, talking of, I, 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 I'm not sufficiently. I'm, I know how to play chess. I'm no no expert by any means, but one chess related thing that came up in my feed this week 
was that there are a number of playlists on uh, Spotify, uh, and I've got a link to a specific one uh, here for our show notes. Uh, is Diana Ross uh, plays chess with you. And uh, if you go to the playlist, it consists of uh, two Diana Ross tracks uh, in sequence. It's my turn and it's it's your turn. <laughs> it's your move, right? It's your move, right? So I'm sorry. I, I used to be pretty serious about chess and I, I remembered I had on the shelf back here my, my uh, little... Uh, Pre-teen tournament first place chess. Very team. cool. I, I should print, 3D print myself one of <laughs> those to compete day. with you. Yes. It doesn't say the date on it, though, That's which is a bummer. Because I don't think date, dates were invented back then yet. <laughs> Maybe not. You know, you know um, I, let's, let's put it this way. They, they, they had 1980s uh, uh, hardware back then that uh, could be worked on by somebody nowadays. <laughs> Yeah, probably a plotter of some sort that would you know chisel yeah, out the. Yeah. Uh, it was all you know, a plot a thing. <laughs> I, you know, the, I've encountered a little bit of the notion here recently of uh, data sets that are used to train models, and the article that um, we just went through on the chess example was talking about you know millions of games that have been played and had been stored in these models, and when you're thinking about all of the ramifications of trustworthy models, who created the models, how did you train the models and where did you get the data from? Um, it's, it's intriguing to think about how that goes into which LLM and how then the LLM it's, it's actually uh, leveraging those and incorporating them in, into the future. So, so much discussion these days going on around the governance, not just of the LLM itself, but about the data that was used to train it. And um, that was sort of something that jumped into my head as I was reading through this this article that you found too, Michael. Neat stuff. Yeah. So um, staying on the on the AI theme, um, and we've got a couple of interesting articles on this sort of subject area. There's a Verge article um, from a little bit earlier in uh, the week, actually two days ago, on a prototype AI tool from Apple to animate images using basic text descriptions. And this is an intriguing thing to, to allow for a way to how to generate animation, which is a lot more complex than a, a standard photo of one sort or another. And I, I found this one really interesting. Uh, years ago, I went to Macworld and took a class uh, on on Final Cut and Motion. Right. And Motion is is really the tool that you use to generate animated. Mm -hmm video clips uh, for for uh, interstitials, for uh, uh, cutscenes, you know, for all kinds of different things. And it uses this keyframing. And that's what this what this does is by by using prompts, it will generate the keyframes of video in order to give you that animation. And I, I thought this was really fascinating because I'm horrible at that. It is so tedious. <laughs> If, if you've ever played around with animation and keyframing, it's 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 a lot of work to make it look smooth. Mm -hmm. And this is just really, really cool. <laughs> there were the, uh, actually, um, uh, oh God, Lindsay. Can't remember his first name off the top of my head right now. But, Alex. Uh, he does. Uh, I'm sorry. Alex Lindsay from um, 
Sweet. Yes, the Alec Lindsay. Yeah. He does uh, he does uh, office hours uh, every morning, seven a.m. East Coast time, uh, West Coast time, where they go through with video editors and content creators and goes deep dives on different technologies. And and he pointed me to this article. Oh, very <laughs> cool. And it was just so he had actually worked on uh, the Phantom Menace. Very neat with uh, Lucas Arts. Mm. So. Yeah, looks very. Neat. I I noticed um, Apple's AI innovations are being increasingly mentioned. I think they are obviously going to have to make a big push around that whole space this year in order to compete and be seen as relevant. But I also yeah. threw in to our notes uh, news that just came out yesterday. I think uh, that OpenAI have a new model, a new tool called Sora, as in S O R A. The character from kingdom hearts or also uh i forget what it means uh, it has a specific the specific japanese reference as well and i forget uh anyway and sora is a, a text to video model uh, which i don't think is available in generally yet i think they've they've put some examples up but most people don't have access to that it looks quite interesting i think there's a lot of people Talking about the fact that what ChatGPT OpenAI has given us so far is the best way to create lots of random junk, text-wise, image-wise, and so on. And I think that is a serious concern uh, that the internet is becoming uh, gummed up with uh, all of this kind of content. And it'll be interesting to see how this uh, type of tool can be misused in it unless two gets its hands on it and uh, puts a stop to all that. Uh, fun behavior. It's interesting how we'll misuse this one. <laughs> uh, what What's really interesting on, on all these kind of video generators, um, I can't remember if we mentioned this in the past, but back in, I think it was 2000, 2001, my, my very first patent submission was a tool called Virtual Storyboards uh, that was designed to process Hollywood scripts and generate films from them. Okay. Uh, using... Uh, language processing, um, and at the time, the models that we had with with AI, uh, as well as leveraging the concepts of object-oriented programming, right? Where where you have the object, which is a thing. It has methods, which are the actions it can perform. It has attributes, uh, which describe it. So those could equate to different aspects of information you would need to actually generate huh. a thing that can do a, a method, an action of some sort, and based off of parsing the script, formatting, et cetera, and understanding sentences, et cetera, it would map that together. And the time element was based off of the, uh, the rule of thumb in Hollywood, which is um, one minute of screen time is one page of script time. So one page is one minute. Yep. And so a 90 minute script is 90 pages long. I, I remember, I remember your you patent on that, Michael. That was, I mean, really, when you think about it, well ahead of its time, because now <laughs> look at what's coming through. And and when you look at some yeah. of these. Well, it was a submission we decided to publish and not patent, which was really disappointing to me. Because yeah. now I look at all this and going, there's a paper that set the stuff in yeah, motion. Yeah, but at least now <laughs> it can't be patented by others. because you. And did that, you. The, yes. At the time, did you call it AI or did you call it an algorithm? Uh, I, I I talked about mach did I use machine learning? 
I think I used AI because really? uh, about wow. ten year, about five or ten years before that, uh, I had been trying to do stuff with quote AI around um, help desk software and doing conversational analysis and sending information back and forth. That was before I joined my current company. Well, well, let's see if we can find it, and we'll put it in the show notes if we can. So it'll it'll be there. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll have to find yeah. it. It should be. I mean, it was published after all, right? Well, that's what they when, said. <laughs> when I look at the material of this article, and I, I only had a chance to glance at it, there, there were two things that struck me. One was, if you scroll down, um, there's an example generated video of a woman and a bunch of people celebrating, obviously, what looks to be her birthday. And the... Um, the the there's one character one woman in the background who's waving uh and that was like the first one because i watched several of these and they were all really quite good um but that's where i got a little bit of the uncanny valley of the way this woman was waving in the background was just not didn't look like a human wave right um and it wasn't like there are too many or too few fingers um which has been one of the ways of looking at dolly and the others and going aha ai generated because there's uh, too many teeth or too many fingers or what have you um but you know really quite clever and there's a there's also a notion in here about you know where did the data come from to train these right right absolutely so, so the notion of Unreal, the Unreal Engine being a, a potential for this, goes nicely in line with both the remainder of this show as well as other episodes where we've talked about before where Unreal and the Unreal Engine is is really more and more of an operating system for a whole variety of things going into the future. So very, well, very cool. It, it is interesting. The Ars Technica article on Sora um, goes fairly detailed, obviously not as detailed as the actual uh, paper that OpenAI has published to announce it, but it talks about it being used for uh, potentially being able to simulate uh, Minecraft gameplay, so that you could plug this kind of technology into a into a console in the future to to create a diffusion technique, use a diffusion technique to generate content inside of the uh, game world. But it also talks about some of the uh, deficiencies in the physics engine that it that it currently has. Uh, it does not accurately model the physics of many basic interactions like glass shattering. Other interactions like eating food do not always yield correct changes in object state. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, there's, it's, I love we've that. already seen the image generators take quite massive leaps forward in the well, 18 months that these things have been around or so. So I would expect this to move very fast as well. Sora so, means sky, so, by the way, in Japanese. That's what I was trying to remember. Sorry, oh, what is the Japanese mean word for sky? Sky. Uh, I, I learned okay. that from a podcast that I was listening to recently related to a Mastodon and Fediverse client that is called Sora. And the author is from Japan and was talking about the fact that it's called, it means sky, which is full of possibility, which oh. I thought was quite beautiful, actually, as a, as a concept. But I completely forgot what the word meant until I looked it up again. <laughs> <laughs> and and the listen, Japanese listen. that I know is not unfor is unfortunately not that detailed, so I, I was not I, able to jump on that. Yeah, it's well, been a long the same. Time. I I used to know a little bit, but it does demonstrate, as our listeners already know, that listening to podcasts broadens your mind and broadens your horizons and grows yes. your understanding of the world. So, yes, you should you should I, recommend kind of podcasts like, to your so friends. You should do more of it. Yeah, especially ones named Games at Work Biz. 
<laughs> yes, you should. So staying on the same theme-ish here with AI, uh, we had a listener link that uh, that came in through side channels for us, and there's lots of ways that you can communicate with us, but this one came in to me uh, dealing with, um, uh, they, they call it bots for tots, so AI-powered robots as children's toys. And we, we've had a couple of stories like this before on the show, and there are a number of new robots that are available here that I hadn't heard of before. The the Miko Mini, uh, a little $99 robot that's powered with OpenAI's GPT. Uh, Moxie, which is a bit more uh, expensive, $7.99 for that a one, <laughs> right? And others. And um, parents are have always uh, been very uh, interested in providing educational resources for their children. And if you think about the um, plethora of X N X, you know the pack and play. Not that that's yeah, yeah. necessarily a a thing for education, but there's so many uh, multifaceted things for entertainment and that are packaged as learning. Um, the fact that these are trained back to the data point again on school curriculum to be able to provide homework assistance or to be able to provide quizzing and testing and doing a whole lot more than just simply entertaining a kid um, is an interesting market for these robots to go into uh, and yet at the same time really underscores the importance of what data is used to train them how do you avoid hallucinations how do you um provide the appropriate trust for kids to be interacting with said robots and large language models behind them um, to be able to operate properly. So, Well, the, the thing that I, I see with these, and I, I don't know what a snorble is, but I love the mm -hmm. name. Uh, <laughs> That's really cool, right? But the, the, you, you make the, the right point on, on data trust and, ethic, uh, and ethics behind the content. Um, the Whenever we have these kind of technological advances, there's 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 always kind of two trends that go on. One is let's let's take and just push as hard as we can to get some really cool, neat new stuff that will have an impact, right? So so I think that's where we are right now with a bunch of AI things, and and we're seeing that with people basically slapping Open API <laughs> or Open AI underneath mm -hmm. it. And now it's an AI yeah. thing, right? Um, and then two, there's the, the the kind of reverse backlash that occurs where people will say, you know, how how dare you train my kids on this, right? Uh, because uh, it's it's taking the parent out of the loop, right? Uh, and and so what I always worry is the wrong word, but what I always wonder is how we get to the right incentives to drive the tech forward while taking to these other things in consideration without slowing down some of the advances. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see because I know there were a lot of things at CES this year from what I had read where it was literally throw open open AI in it and now it's a smart this or an LLM based that or whatever, right? So uh, anyway, I, I, I find these articles interesting and I think you hit the exact right point on data and and uh, and what it's trained on. So yeah, then check out the snorble too and see how cute it is. And exactly, it follows that same marketing message that we just talked about. And the fact that it's like supposed to be growing with your kid and getting software and updates. And it teaches them while they Michael, sleep. I like kill your parents. 
I like the uh, <laughs> unfortunate name collision with something from uh, somebody I don't like very much. Yes. Uh, there's a there's a thing called Grok, which is a kind of a cute plushy rocket that contains some kind of uh, voice powered chat and, and 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 so on. That looks really cute. Uh, I'm. Ironically, it's voiced by Grimes, um, which uh, yeah. amuses me even more <laughs> by comparison to uh, the other thing. But yeah, the Snorble is uh, is kind of cute. But the thing that I've just added into the show notes as we've gone along that I think launched on Kickstarter today, although I think it's a second run at crowdfunding this thing, is this thing called Dolly, um, which is open source. So allegedly, this is a thing that it runs on a Raspberry Pi compute module. You can 3D print the parts yourself. Um, Ooh. if you want to, uh, so you could customize it or you can get it made essentially. And it looks like, uh, kind of like one of the Amazon, uh, robot things that they half launched, uh, the, the robot companions for, for home that, that never really went anywhere, but this is kind of a, a cute little thing. Reminds me of something that ePred got a while ago as well, maybe a couple of years ago now as well, that uh, was like a desk companion type. Thing, but my brain is blanking on the name of it at the moment. Oh, that it was a USB thing, wasn't it? That would like react to Maybe. stock prices or things like that. I, I seem to vaguely remember something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Now, now the next article is a little bit bigger than a, a desktop companion. This is a, a humanoid robot that can do fun and interesting things like cook the perfect marshmallow for you or fold shirts and whatnot. Um, and they call it the magic bot. Um, yeah, yeah. So I looked at this article and, and they started going through it. And the very first thing as you, as you read through it is it's being remote controlled by somebody. It, it's, it's not a smart robot. Uh, it's showing off great engineering and technology on robotics, touching well, and, and grabbing. And, 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 I, and I would argue that that is, that is what was happening, but not disclosed in the. Uh, recent exactly. Tesla demonstration as well. Oh yeah. Oh no, that is exactly what was um, so, happening in that one. <laughs> so yeah. Um, again, these are uh, simulacra of human models, but they're not independent, working independently. No, they they are being used as they're exactly. being used as remote. Uh, they're puppets. Yeah, exactly. They're glorified yeah. puppets that are showing off really good engineering on you know dexterity and and touch and how how much you squeeze something or whatever but they're not no robots. i mean this is a click they're this puppets. is a, a clickbaity headline and, and this is one that that i found yeah. uh, but it isn't uh the, the headline doesn't reflect what is going on here i think a lot of these companies are competing to make a splash but then you start reading into the detail yep. and it's a lot less uh, a lot more of the veneer of uh intelligence than you, you you'd expect yeah, and, and what I, what I don't know is is the comparison with Boston Dynamics because they they mm, they try to compare them do. to Boston Dynamics yeah. in here, yeah. and Boston Dynamics their stuff I don't know how much of that is puppeted either. I think more of theirs is actual robotic. Yeah, the dog certainly spot and so on certainly is, but the, the thing that yeah you can take him for a walk with your with your Vision Pro. Oh, we made it almost a whole episode. Darn it. <laughs> <laughs> 
almost the whole show. Um, so the the thing the thing that grabs me about this one, as per usual, is fit for purpose robots, right? Mm-hmm. So why do you have the limitations of a wrist when you don't need to have a limitation of a wrist? And why do you have the anthropomorphic correctness of a humanoid when something else might work just as well? Um, uh, may, maybe it's growing up too much on Star Wars and the like that, you know, if the, if an astromech form factor is going to do the right things for you for what you need to do, that would be just fine. You don't need to have a C-3PO type form factor exactly. to do things that's not necessary for that. All right, friends, we've got one last article and uh, we can't we can't leave without having some kind of metaverse or metaverse related thing. And with all of our discussions around Disney last year, uh, this particular article from VentureBeat um, comes back and says, hey, it's uh, the, the metaverse is back, baby. Um, <laughs> that's at least the, the <laughs> clickbait title because uh, we have alternations uh, of the metaverse is dead. No, the metaverse yeah. is alive. So. I still find it amusing that this article call, calls out uh, the metaverse uh, being started by Zuckerberg when he changed Facebook's name to Meta in October 2021. I mean, arguably, yeah. the craze, i.e. The, the focus that suddenly a lot of media took uh, and started to talk about and the advertising that started to go up around, in my, my memory, the London Underground, showing people talking about the metaverse and how we'd all be wearing headsets and yeah. be learning about ancient Rome in these realistic, photorealistic environments. Uh, I would agree that that is probably the cause uh, and source of that craze phase to uh, to find a, fra- a, a Ooh, craze phase. craze phase to find a uh, a, <laughs> a term that that kind of seems to fit. But um, as we know, we've been sitting here recording this podcast for a few years, just a few. Uh, referring to metaverse and virtual worlds and 3d internet and all kinds of other things so uh, we're on we're on but another I do wave like the, the disney epic games trailer i i think <laughs> we spoke about this last week it's a huge announcement yeah um, and yeah we is. we are only just at the very cusp of what that turns into next well, and it really does an interesting, this article, I'll give credit on the fact that it does reference Disney getting out of their own metaverse style business and closing that down. And now on the flip side, the announcement of this major investment with and partnership with Epic is an intriguing more than double down for Disney. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's transferring risk. It's, it's brilliant from a business perspective, right? You know, Epic's willing to take the risk to, to, to brand and, and skills and resources and Disney license some tech licenses them some, some media property. Uh, the other thing I like about this article is that it also refers to what things um, in, in the space. Uh, it's not just about that, that deal. It refers to digital twin and industrial metaverse and omniverse from yep. NVIDIA. Uh, it refers to the things yeah. we talked about with um, Ernest Klein and also with uh, Neil Stevenson's efforts in the space as well, having yep. building from their written works. So I think it's a nice, uh, nice set of coverage. Almost as yep. if they used games at work dot biz transcripts to inform a large language model to create an article. Mm. Mm. That's interesting. And they said we'll target it at these three guys. They'll talk about it. Interesting. <laughs> interesting. I see we. Well, going yeah, because we did talk about it already. That's the whole point. 
we talked about it already and we're going to talk about it again because we heard about it because we talked uh, yeah, echo echo chamber city all right well friends that is it for today's show we'll we'll say good afternoon good evening for us on this one but we'll be back again real soon for another edition of games at work biz see ya see ya been listening to games at work.biz the podcast about gaming technology and play we are part of the blueberry podcasting network and would like to thank the band random encounters for their song big blue you can follow us on twitter at games at work underscore biz or at our website at games at work.biz. dot